What is going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 78.1. And we're continuing our playthrough of Shinmu for the Year of the Bad Game. Today I have with me Matt. Hello. And yeah, we're, uh, we're chugging right along in this game here. I don't think either one of us is playing how this game is supposed to be played. I think I played disc one the right way. The yeah. rest of it, I'm not. I think I played the first probably two hours of this game the right way. The rest of it, no. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and get into that. So the last we left off, we had to go to Warehouse 8. Um, and after getting some information of where Warehouse 8 is, uh, specifically by... Looking up the phone number, uh, and then, um, I, what was it? We, we backtraced it here. Um, and, uh, the lady told us the, the, it was the old lady. You, you talked to the old lady too, right? Yeah. Yeah. The old lady that ran like the tobacco shop. Yep. The one who read the, who read the letter for us in the mirror. No, not her. Which old lady? The the old lady who ran the tobacco shop where the phone was. Oh, the one right there by the phone, yeah. Yeah, which is right there next to the bus stop. So um, we find out that the, where the warehouse district is, so we can now travel to it by using the bus. Have to wait 30 minutes for the bus to get there. Uh, and when we arrive in the warehouse district, um, we're trying to find warehouse number eight. So as we're walking, we run into a couple of thugs who are f beating up this person. And, uh, one of them knows Rio. The other one with the pompadour, uh, doesn't wants to fight us. So we have a QTE uh, with every QTE in this game. I fail it and then, <laughs> uh, do it again. Uh, and they and tell, also again, it's a, it's a short one. It's only three inputs. Yeah. So you haven't got to it yet, but man, the, the end of this end of this episode we're talking about, there is a QTE that I would say is at least ten things. Oh wow! And it is annoying. <laughs> how how many times did you feel it? I felt it three times. Oh, that's not terrible. Yeah, but I don't know. I have an issue with these QTEs. Um, with all QTEs or these QTEs? This game's QTEs. The window for the for your input is less than a second. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I thought I made it and didn't. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, it's pointing left, I hit left, and then I get punched in the face. So yeah. That's a rude awakening. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah. Uh, when we beat up the, the guys, uh, they tell us that the warehouse eight's probably out that way. So we go running out that way. Uh, and, um, looking at the, the walls of the, the warehouses, we can see they're labeled by number. I find eight and, oh, we can't go in. There's security guards there telling us that we can't go in. Uh, 
Great. So maybe there's another way around. And we run immediately around the back, <laughs> find an open window, and uh, we get to push a box to another box, climb through the window, and sneak around in warehouse number eight. Yeah, I definitely thought that there was another part to getting into that building because I had been circled by a couple of forklifts. So I, I ran around this whole area a couple times saying, all right, I, gotta, I need to jack a forklift, forklift from somebody. I'm like in a GTA mindset. I'm like, all right, I'm going to punch somebody in the face, QTE him, steal his forklift. Then I'm going to come back to the back of Warehouse 8. <laughs> then I'm going to move those boxes around and stack them into a ladder, and then I'm going to climb up through the window. So I ran around that building like four or five times. I'm like, there were forklifts literally everywhere five minutes ago. Now that I need one, I can't find one anywhere. Um, and then I was like, all right, maybe that's not the right way to get into the window. And then I went to the back. I'm like, oh, I could just push this box over. So. <laughs> You're thinking too much about it, man. In my mind, it was going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, so we climb into this warehouse. We walk around and eventually get a cut scene uh, with these two guys in a office saying that they're at the wrong warehouse eight. So we realize we're in the wrong warehouse. Eight. There's nothing here. Of course, of course, we have to go somewhere else. So, uh, it's great. Yeah. So we go, we have to now go to where the old warehouses are, the old warehouse district. And, uh, getting there, I showed up at night. I'm sure if you show up during the day, they just immediately turn you around. Uh, but I showed up and it was already getting dark. So I got the cutscene where you basically are sneaking uh, and knocks over a flashlight. You have to use a QTE to actually catch the flashlight. I did not fail that one. Funny enough. I did fail. What happens then? The, the guard catches you and he throws you out? Yeah, it falls on the ground. He hears it and throws you out. And that apparently, like, they don't want to reset you too much. So you start right back outside it, uh -huh. which is nice. But it's the next day, so you lose an entire day. Basically, essentially, what they're implying happened is you get caught, you get sent home, and you come back the next day. Okay. And they just bypass all that. So every time you fail here or when you get caught, I think, in this next section of sneaking, you right. automatically lose a day and it becomes 7 p.m. and you have to sneak back in. Okay. See, I did not realize that because that happened to me. I got caught while sneaking around. And I see here, I wrote in my notes here, uh, I'll try again tomorrow, but it loads up again from the last checkpoint. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that was weird. Yeah. I, I didn't realize I had lost a day. Yeah, you lose a day. Because I was like, all right, if, if I keep, either they reset me at the same time or or time passes while I'm being caught, but then all of a sudden it's going to be morning and I'm not going to have done it and I'm going to have to come back the next day anyway. But Right. You get penalized by a day. Oh, no. Apparently, if you mess around in this game to the point where a certain day passes, the game ends. You get a game over. But it's like in April, and I'm still in December. Yeah. So, Given how quick we're actually making it through this game, I can't see us taking till April. No. I, in fact, I doubt I'll see the new year. So, um, anyway, uh, 
luckily the first time I got caught, the the guys don't if they spot you you it's it's not game over. They have to like chase you down. So once I had guys running after me, I was like, all right, let me just find warehouse eight. So I ran around while these guys were chasing me, found warehouse eight. They and I can't open the door because well I'm I'm being captured. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just make a beeline for it now because I know exactly where it's at. Ah, that's nice. So make it into Warehouse 8. Tons of, like, um, antiques laying around here. Uh, I pick up one of the plates, and he drops it. And uh, this dude in a suit shows up, and he's like, what are you doing here? And uh, he's wanting to fight me. Uh, but uh, a man stops him. That man being Master Chin. Uh, and um, he tells us of a second mirror. So there's the dragon mirror and there's the phoenix mirror. The dragon mirror was the one that was stolen by Londi. And the phoenix mirror is probably still somewhere in the Hazuki estate. So now begins the quest to try and find this other mirror. Or to put it another way, to hunt the phoenix down. Yes. Find the find the phoenix down. Find the phoenix down. Uh, so, man, um, we go through a lot of stuff to get this thing. This is where I absolutely had to switch my play style because I could have played this game 20 more hours and not found this mirror so how did you change your play style exactly? Uh, by immediately pulling up a fac. Oh, okay. I, I, I would not have, have progressed in this game beyond this point. So I, I, I have glanced at a fac for a few things, but I haven't actually used the fac. Um, so the thing that kept me going was, all right, the mirror has got to be at home. So I was thinking, okay, so I just got to, whatever it is, I got to find it at home. So, uh, we go and talk to, uh, NA and, you know, she's like, I don't know. I don't want you doing this. She, she's, she's the same old song and dance. She doesn't want us to pursue this. Uh, but, uh, Fuku, Fuku, um, is, uh, says that, um, the mirror's probably going to be around here. So that's when I had it in my mind, okay, I don't need to go anywhere until I get a clue at the house. Yeah. So luckily in this next section here, the game probably... So the, the developers must have said, okay, this is probably going to be kind of difficult for some people. So if they wander around long enough, we'll kind of throw a hint at them. Uh, okay, because I, I, I wandered around for a little bit, and I was just like, this is ridiculous. I don't have a clue what I should be doing. So um, let's see here. Uh, so what we f- what we find out is from Na is that uh, the Rio's dad went to an antique shop had something there. So when we go to the antique shop, uh, the the man there gives us a sword handguard, 
which has the family crest on it. Now, I don't know if you saw it, but I remember in the last episode, I said that I had found some things behind a couple of banners that were in the dojo. Yeah, uh, see, I hadn't found them yet. Yeah, well, I... I did remember that, so I knew I would have to be there at some point. Yeah, I, I recognized that that slot, and I was like, oh, this goes in that slot. So I went back home and put the 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 handguard in the slot. I was like, okay, so what do I do with this other slot? Looks like a sword goes there, so where can I find a sword? Didn't find one in the dojo, so I went back into the house. And so I started searching through practically everything. Um, and uh, at one point, Fuku stops me, and he's like, what are you looking for? He's like, well, I'm looking... He's like, I'm looking for something. You know, it's like uh, something that... Uh, could possibly help me in the dojo or something like that. I can't remember the exact phrasing he said, but Fuku was like, well, maybe your dad kept something. So this is when I realized Fuku is not your brother. I think, I don't know what he is, but he, he said that this was left by my father instead of our father. And I was like, okay, so he must not be related to them. Or maybe it's like his cousin or something like that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but he mentions, yeah, there must be something in your dad's stuff. So I went to what is dad's old room and sure enough, I found a key. Now I didn't particularly know where to put this key. So I didn't end up having to wander around a little bit. Found out there was something I missed in the dojo. Um, there is a box about the shape of a sword, yep. uh, and right there in front of me. And I thought it was a bench to be honest with you. Uh, little- I actually had a t- tough time getting that key initially because I didn't know you could go into first person and look at stuff. Um, so I was standing up next to the desk. I'm like, if there's something in this desk, it's not giving me the option to hit X and interact with it. Well, I told you last episode that I found that out in my second session. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just pull the trigger and you can look. That that was a game changer for me because like the first probably two hours of this game I didn't realize you could do that. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't have any need to do it until this exact point in the game. Did was there? Well, I I used the the first person mode. Well, how I found out about the first person mode was that um, whenever I was helping the old lady trying to find the house, mm-hmm. you could look at the, the oh, names, right, right. and I was like, okay, well there there you go. I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So there's a box there that requires a key. Uh, found the key, obviously, in dad's drawers. And, uh, opened the box. There's a sword. Great. Now I got a sword. I can now put it in the slot that's behind the second banner. And doing so, uh, unlocks a secret passage. Uh, and, uh, this leads to a ladder that goes to the basement of the, uh, the residence. So I go down and, uh, can't go any f- farther because he says it's too dark in here. Now I did find some candles and some matches while searching through everything known to man in the house. I was like, okay, well, let's light some one of these candles and keep mm-hmm. going. It doesn't work that way. You can't do that. And I was like, okay, so what do I do? 
I was like, I know he can hold a flashlight because he did it in the warehouse district. So I was like, okay, where can I get a flashlight? I looked all around the house, never found a flashlight. This is when I said, okay, let me see a fact. Fact told me I had to go to the store and buy a flashlight. Oh, there's one in the house. Did I miss a flashlight in the house? Because I'm about to be mad at myself. Yeah, there's one right by the phone. You know how every time he comes in, he takes his shoes off? Oh, my God. I didn't look there. That that little entry hallway. Oh, God. The cabinet right under the phone, there's a there's a flashlight right in there. I hate, I hate this game. <laughs> oh, my God. I had to run all the way back to the store. So, anyway, uh, went to the store, bought a flashlight, went back down, and um, uh, we started looking around the the room here. Uh, tons of old stuff. Gets a bunch of like the photos and uh, see. I, I one thing I kept noticing was that there was something in the mirror. You look in a mirror in there. And in the reflection, you see like a a tag of some sort. It's like a like a. It's on the side of a shelf, and it's in it's written in Chinese, I believe. Mm. And he's like, "What is this?" And I kept thinking, "All right, what?" Well, yeah, I guess. But the thing is, is like he just said, "That's weird." And I look at it and everything like that. Couldn't figure this out. So here's what happens: I wandered around this room long enough to where Fuku came down to the basement. <laughs> and said, hey, what's this on the floor? Looked on the floor, and there's scrapes on the floor showing where I can move the 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 shelf. I looked all around this room and never saw those scrapes. I had to have this moron Fuku come. This guy, to act, for me, like every time I see him and the way he acts, I, he makes me think of a bumbling idiot. Yep. Um, <laughs> especially especially when he thinks you're possessed. Yeah. <laughs> so he's he's just he's just weird. Uh so I'm, I actually only came across the scrapes randomly. I was just kinda bumping into everything trying to hit X to see what I could interact with and happened to like accidentally see the scrapes. I didn't actually notice them until he called it out himself. Yeah. So we um we go to move the shelf, see a part of the wall that is not the same color as the other one, very Metal Gear-esque, and um, then take an axe and beat out this area of the wall, and sure enough, we find the container holding the Phoenix Mirror. Finally got it. This long-awaited thing. Now that we have the Phoenix Mirror, fantastic. Can, can we take a second? Neither of those things look like mirrors. No, they don't. They're like medallions, maybe, but they're yeah. not mirrors. Why, why are they even called mirrors? Don't know. I do not know. It looks like it's jade of some sort. Yeah, I would call it a jade medallion with a phoenix on it. Yeah. So... I don't know. Now we got we got the mirror. Great. Let's go to Master Shin. 
and tell him about it. And so that's the, that's the first thing I do. I, well, it's nighttime. So I went to bed next morning, got up, went all the way to the, to the warehouse district and a security guard stops me and says, Hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm here to see master Shen. He's like, what's your name? Rio. We don't know no Rio. We don't, we're not expecting you. Get out of here. And I was like, crap. Ah, uh, because, so I don't know if you remember the first time that you were there. I, 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 I did when that happened. Yeah. He said, make sure you call in advance next time. Yeah. He says, make sure you call in advance. So I had to go find a freaking telephone. <laughs> um, ran all the way back through the warehouse district, found a telephone, called him. Then ran all the way back. <laughs> you, did you? You didn't have the option to sneak in a second time, no. so you had to call. No, I had to call. Ah. Uh, oh, it was during the day too, so I don't know. So anyway, we take the uh, the mirror back to Master Chen, and uh, he tells us that there's two. The two mirrors have. Legend has it that they can be used to summon this demon god thing that can devour the earth. And he says that if Londi gets a hold of this mirror, he will be unstoppable. And this is when I started thinking, is this going to have a supernatural turn to it? Because... For the most part, this is all like you know, uh, shady, shady businessmen and gangsters that we've dealt with essentially. Yeah, and I was like, maybe he's just wanting this so he could sell it, make a lot of profit off of it, or something like that. But then he's like, it's not really explained what happens if he gets a hold of these mirrors and what he's going to do with them. So yeah, it says the gates of heaven and earth will open, and an ancient Chinese monster, Qi Yu, will be resurrected to devour the earth. Yes. So I'm thinking to myself, this can't be what it means. This can't literally mean what I think it means, which is like some kind of mystic power or something like that. As I am thinking this while watching this cutscene, all of a sudden, this weird golem-looking dude shows up. He's got weird, he, he's, he's bald and has like this weird like look to him and he's kind of like slouched and he looks like almost like a monkey of some sort. And did, I, I, you, did you see him earlier? Yes, I did. I forgot to mention that. Man, I'm doing bad note taking here. I was going to say, maybe you, maybe, you, I don't know if you had to see him. But as I was walking through the streets, you know, you get into a little fight and you, you have a little bit of extra familial intrigue there. Right. I remember that. Yeah, that's when we see him. Uh, the first time he's watching us. And so when we take the mirror back, he shows up at the warehouse and steals the mirror from us. When I first saw this guy, I was like, what? Is this, <laughs> is this like, are we actually getting into supernatural stuff here? <laughs> Cause this guy's crazy. 
Yeah, he seems like he's out of Onimusha or something. Yeah, he seems like some kind of demon thing. He's crawling on rooftops and like he's like hunched over. He looks like Gollum. (laughs) And sounds a little bit like Gollum. And sounds a little bit like Gollum too. So as we got this Phoenix mirror, he steals the Phoenix mirror from us. We have to do a QTE to make him drop the Phoenix mirror, which I failed once. Um, and, uh, we get the Phoenix mirror back and master Shen's like, all right, look, you can't, this is, this is beyond you. You need to just, you need to give this up. So just, just take the Phoenix mirror and, and, and keep it hidden from everybody. And he's like, no, I have to avenge my father. Will you help me? And Master Shen's like, no, I won't help you. This is, you shouldn't waste your life on revenge. But if you do want to get revenge, he's in Hong Kong. (laughs) (laughs) So, um. Overall though, this, this part, so not necessarily the Master Chen part, but just the idea of, all right, you've got the second mirror. Londi wants these two mirrors to whatever, recall this ancient monster whether it ever takes a supernatural turn or not that was the point where my needle kind of switched to i like the way the story is unfolding because it it's not complicated up to this point you're right it's just like it's a kind of a simple tale of revenge but and and i don't know that the pacing is fantastic in the game but it I appreciate that it, it makes sense. It's not, it's not the, the overall story arc isn't bouncing back and forth. Like what you have to do is when you're trying to find the black car and you're going back and forth and talking to people and you know, it's just this nested piece after nested piece. Yeah. But, but that's on the small scale. I think on the, on the larger scale of, you know, trying to find Landy, trying to track him down, getting this letter, which they did. I, they did when I I started replaying this game over from the beginning, and I saw the beginning part where uh, Ine-san gets that letter, and I I didn't remember it because it's like it, it's just a moment in the beginning of the game, it doesn't really mean anything. But I feel like there are there are a lot of pieces here with the you know there's mystery about your father, there's this mystery guy that we fought who said, "What well, your father." hired him to protect you or Lon D hired him to make sure you don't get killed. And I'm like, Oh, is, is there something about my bloodline? I don't know. I, I I feel like the game does a good job of wrapping up its mysteries in, in a way that makes me want to figure them out. Well, yeah. Cause I don't think their mysteries are that complex. There's not that many characters. There's, yep. there's, and you know, the characters are well defined. They're not like, yeah, like you've got this weird golem character. You're not going to con- confuse him with anyone. No. Lon D, you know, he, he's not been in the game all that much, but you know, with his with his jade robe and his, he's the one that killed your father. I mean, he's he's pretty iconic as far as characters go. There's only the two people in your house. They're pretty clear. Uh, Master Chen is pretty clear. So uh, you've got your one Nozomi as a as a love interest. Yes, yeah, that, that we we explore that a little bit later on. I never got that. I didn't. Did you do the part with the cat? There was a little part, right? No. If you remember at the beginning, you saved the kitten. Yeah, I, I did that at the beginning, but I, like I said, I haven't played this game the way it's supposed to be played, so I haven't interacted with that cat since. 
there was a part I walked when I was walking back through right after I fought that fought that guy when when Gollum was overseeing us. I was walking back to uh, the home and I walked in and the the kitten was missing. Wow. And she's like, "Oh, please help me find it." And I'm and I'm like, "Yeah, I'll help you find your cat. I'll bring it back to you." In my mind, I was like, "I've played so many games where I take on so many side quests with absolutely zero intention of tracking down whatever it is you want me to track down." Yeah. But then as I'm walking home, you actually get like a, a 10 second cutscene where he looks over to the left and he's like, "Oh, down these stairs is where the kitten is." So I'm like, "All right, well, if they're going to make it that obvious, I'll go down and find the cat." So I did, and then Nozomi shows up, and it turns out you were both looking for the cat, for the little girl, and not a big scene, but, you know, there's been a couple of interactions with Nozomi, but she's the only one, so it's not like you've got 25 different girls even that you're that you're talking to. So, I don't know, the characters are defined well enough, and the mysteries are simple enough and clear enough, and I guess also I feel like I'm making progress. Yeah, like right. I, I have the, I have half of this mystery. I'm about to, um, I'm about to go to Hong Kong to track down Lon D and his gang. So I, I don't know. It's it's maybe a simple story so far, but it's I don't know. I think it's well told enough to keep me interested more so than I thought it would be. Kind of at the beginning. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I feel like I've made story progress. You know. We, we have, all right, we need to find the Phoenix Mirror. Got to hold the Phoenix Mirror. Took a little finesse, but we got it. And now more story. You know, so it, you're getting story beats that are significant at least, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So after um, that, we're like, okay, we have to find a way to get to Hong Kong. Uh, go to bed that night and... When you wake up the next morning, um, this confused the crap out of me. Um, he 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 wakes up, looks on his dresser, and there is a, a form there. And while he's looking at the form, I see my money go from like nine thousand yen to like forty thousand yen. And I'm like, oh, what happened? And then he says, well, I guess Hong Kong's out. I'm like, well, you just made a ton of money. What are you talking about? Doing nothing. Doing absolutely nothing. I didn't realize that's his savings. I was like, what? It's like, why didn't you explain that to me? Yeah. Um, but you know, they explain it to you a little bit later on. But I was just like, what? That's, that's the most confusing thing I just saw. And the thing is, is like I ended my session there. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I'll, I'll come back tomorrow and do it. So uh, we got to get away, find a way to get to Hong Kong. So we asked Fuku about travel agencies, and he's like, "Okay, well maybe you can find a cheap ticket to to Hong Kong." And so we have to go to this travel agency. There's two of them in town. Which one did you go to, Matt? I I still remembered from disc one when Tom the Hot Dog Man told us to go into the travel agency. Okay. So I. I, I immediately knew that was the one that I wanted to go to first. So what happened at that one? Uh, you walk in and basically say, how much is it to go to Hong Kong? And he's like, uh, it's about 198,000 yen. He's like, I can't afford it. 
And the guy's like, well, how about you take this brochure and leave? <laughs> I had the same thing, except it was this bratty woman who acted like she did not want to be there. Oh, yeah, that's the Asia yeah. Asia travel company. Yeah. Man, I really disliked that woman. She's like, okay, fine. Uh, so she's like, here, just take this brochure. Um, and he's like, well, I can't afford this. She's like, well, I got the brochure out for you. At least take it. I was like, oh, my God, lady. So we leave, go, and then the note says, well, maybe we can ask Fuku about something else. So I'm like, man, I got to run all the way back home. Run all the way back home. Yeah. Talk to Fuku. Fuku's like, well, maybe Nozomi knows something about it. She travels a lot because <laughs> because of stuff. Run all the way back to town. She goes to Canada, apparently. She goes to Canada um, to get flowers. Canada. So, um, he, um, we go talk to Nozomi. Nozomi says that she, why don't you go by boat? It's probably cheaper that way. Okay. So we go back to the travel agency. I, I go back to the lady. She's like, all right, hang on a second. She's like, she's, she's always doing something, either reading a magazine and not paying attention or she's doing her makeup. And, and it's like, I really can't stand this lady. Um, and she, uh, she's like, okay, well, here's, here's the other one. He's like, okay, that's sold. I can, we can do this. I forgot to mention because I remember it. Um, before we go to Nozomi, he's like, here, I want to help too. Fuku is. And (laughs) Fuku gives us his piggy bank. His literal piggy bank. It's a literal piggy bank. He's like, okay, go ahead and smash it, man. I want you, I want, and at this point I was like, okay, Fuku's doing a nice thing here. Yeah, except in my mind, I was like, "All right, I'm what 140,000 short, yeah. or something ridiculous." And then he starts counting. He's like, "One, two. I'm like, "Jesus, <laughs> we're not going to get there if you're counting one at a time." Yeah, uh, but eventually, we end up with I think like eighty. I had eighty four thousand yen. I think. Yeah, something like that. And so she told me that uh, she was like, "Yeah, uh, this the the boat trip is like sixty nine." I was like, he's like, sold. I'll take it right now. She's like, okay. And he's like, so you're going to give me my ticket? She's like, I guess. Hang on a minute. She's like, here, let me do it. I'll just come back in like three or four hours. And I was like, really? Three or four hours? Yeah, see, I got diverted to them. So you went to that Asia company first, and then you went back there to find the boat? Uh Uh-huh. I went to the other one the first time. They gave me the brochure. I went back there the second time after Nozomi told me to take a boat, and they were like, uh, yeah, we don't sell boat tickets. Why don't you go try the Asia Travel Company? Ah, gotcha. So you at least got to deal with her at once. Yep, yep. So I then go outside and stare at the hamburger stand for four hours. <laughs> Tom, feed me. <laughs> and then I go back inside. And there's some other dude there, <laughs> some guy named Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, boy, I think I know where this is going. And he's like, hey, where's my ticket? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> he's like, oh, well, I paid 69,000 yen for a ticket to Hong Kong. You better give me one. And then he's got some buddies in the corner over there. They show up and they're like, hey, you better leave now. 
No QTE here. I figured there'd be at least a QTE to knock that guy off of you, but he just beats him up. And I do kind of love how everybody seems to think that this guy's a pushover. I, and yeah. he, like, pops them quick. Like, if you don't fail them, I mean, within 10 seconds, most of these fights are over. I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of impressive. And so he, we uh, beat up those guys, during which uh, the guy behind the counter, Jimmy, he screams, and it sounds almost comical. <laughs> yeah. Um. And uh, he threatens him. He's like, okay, here's the deal. I want my freaking ticket, and you're going to give it to him. He's like, okay, it's going to take some time. Give me a day. I'll call you first thing in the morning. We'll get you that ticket. I was like, okay. So we go back home. I stare at my bed for three hours. <laughs> I'm not sleepy. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, and then I go to bed. Have you been seeing the dreams, too? The dreams? Yeah, I've been getting dreams. I don't, I don't, I may have had a dream. I had a dream about the mirror and a bird. Oh, yeah. And then this time when I went to sleep deliberately, I dreamt of uh, Nazumi. And I was like, oh, he must be like in love with her or something. I was like, okay. That's when I got it. I was like, oh, he's he's in love with her. Or that's that's his love interest. How old is he? 18? 17? I think he's 17. I want to say he's 17 because I'm pretty sure the legal drinking age in Japan is 18. I could be wrong. And they've refused to serve him at a bar. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Next morning, uh, wake up, phone rings, and that moron Fuku answers it. I'm like, oh god, he's gonna ruin this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But luckily, Rio grabs the phone from him. And uh, the person on the other line is like, okay, we got your ticket. Meet us at U Arcade at 12 o'clock. And I'm telling you, whoever is on that line is not doing a good job of masking what their intentions are. <laughs> <laughs> because this sounds the most sinister stuff ever. He's like, yeah, it's just like, we got your ticket. Come on down to you, okay? Yeah, I'm just like, what? It's like, <laughs> you do know this is a trap, right? <laughs> yeah, just stroll in there whistling. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So I go to U Arcade. I stand outside of U Arcade until 12 o'clock. <laughs> and then I walk inside. And lo and behold, Crazy Gollum guy's there. He is tied up. The the arcade worker. <laughs> and um, so proceeds a boss fight. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not a QTE, it's an actual brawl. This guy has some crazy moves. This guy is like flying through the air. He's like doing these weird like roundhouse kicks and stuff. 
He is a formidable opponent. I beat him with only two health points left. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and he runs off. I untie the arcade worker. And he's like, that guy, he's part, uh, that guy Jimmy is part of this. And I was like, okay, well, let's go back to Jimmy. I know where he works. <laughs> and we go, go back to the, uh, travel agency. And, uh, he's there, but when he sees us, he runs. So begins the longest QTE segment ever. It is the classic action movie run through the streets while people throw stuff at you and jump over like, you know, food stands and stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah. And every I haven't time, seen it yet, but I can picture it. Yeah. Every time somebody runs in front of you, you got to hit a direction. And then there's a couple of button presses in there too. I swear it's like at least 10 things back to back. And I, I don't know if you only fell one and it's over. It could be that you fell a few and it's over. What ends up happening is, is that you get slowed down so much that a van pulls out and he gets in front of the van and you're stuck behind it. And he's like, crap, he got away. But mm. if you beat it, the van pulls out in front of him and now he's pinned between you and the van. And we, um, wait, does that even make sense though? It doesn't. He's going at the same speed, whether you're slow or fast, right? I yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. The cutscene just plays differently. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. But we, we reach him and uh, grab a hold of him and threaten him. He's like, look, I can't get you the, the ticket. It's not going to happen. He's like, And he's like, well, who's that skinhead is what he says. And it, he's talking about the Gollum guy. He's like, he's part of the, uh, the, God, what's it called? The Mad Something. Uh, Mad Angels. The Mad Angels. It's part of the Mad Angels. Uh, it sounds like a, a motorcycle group, but he's part of a gang, basically. They hang out at the harbor. And he's like, you, you'll run into them a lot if you get a job up there, if you work there. He's like, why? He said, because they like to harass the new guys that work at the harbor. And he's like, okay, then. Looks like I'm uh, I'm gonna be going after uh, them now, and the best way to get a hold of them is by getting a job at the harbor. Blend in, and that is the that is the end of disc two, according to the Dreamcast version, and that is where I stopped. Now, Matt, I know you stopped right before that. You stopped uh, right before the boss fight, essentially. Yeah, right before the boss fight. Yeah. Um, so I'm more positive on the game now than I was after the first disc. I am too. I, I am too. I feel like it, it took a while to get ramped up, but now that it's ramped up, it's, it's, it's getting better. It's not, it's not a, it's a bad controlling game. The combat is bad. The dialogue is bad, but I don't mind it. Yeah, it's got, it's got charm to it. I mean, it's bad. I mean, the dialogue's bad, but almost in a B-movie kind of way. Although, ever since you gave your impression of the way conversations go, that's literally all I hear now. Yeah. The way everybody kind of repeats the question. Yeah. 
Almost like they weren't previous. They weren't previewed to the question previously. <laughs> yeah, and the way I don't know. The, it feels like literally twice as many words are used to have a conversation than should actually be needed. Exactly. A lot of back and forth dialogues that just don't advance the discussion at all. So this will be a. Um a staple for this series at least. I'm going to read off my notes like I did last week because I think they're fun. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we'll start from the beginning. Session five. Talked to the lady at the tobacco shop. Found out through awkward vision that it was in the phone book. (laughs) Now waiting for the bus. Beat up two guys with a prompter. Uh, they told me where Warehouse 8 was. Uh, Warehouse 8 is blocked off by some cops or guards. Need to find another way in. Climbed in through a window in the back using some boxes. These controls suck. Yep. Got a cutscene. Um, telling me that this is not the right Warehouse 18. I have to go to the old district. Find the old district. Luckily, it's already nighttime. Had to sneak by the guards, got caught, says I'll try again tomorrow, but loads up again from the last checkpoint. Made a beeline for number eight. Picked up a plate and dropped it. Dude hears it (laughs) and begins to attack me, but Master Chen stops him. Chi Yo Min is the organization that Lon D runs. Rio's dad and another guy took the mirror. There's a second mirror that was not stolen. The Phoenix mirror should still be at the house. Only phone communication now. So I didn't write that down. Wake up immediately at home. End of session. Session number six. All right, let's find this mirror. I guess I'll ask Granny. Ine says Fuku is looking for me. Fuku says he told Ine about everything, even though I think she knows. <laughs> he says, Yeah, what a, what a douche she is. He's like, oh, I got to go tattle. Yeah. I feel bad. I need to go tell Ine something on everything. <laughs> He says Ine may know about the mirror. So let's go back and listen to this. Ine says Fuku is looking for me. Fuku says Ine may know about the mirror. So I talk to Ine. She tells me to talk to Fuku, which then tells me to talk to Ine. There's a waste of five minutes right there. Oh, kind of like having to run all the way back home and then run all the way back to Nozomi and then run back home again. Yes. So uh, go back to N.A. She says she's eavesdropped on us. Awkward exchange, almost like the room. I like how she says, Fukushan talks really loudly, doesn't he? I'm like, yeah, and he's also an idiot. Yeah, he talks really loudly, and Rio's like, what? And she's like, I'm sorry, I eavesdropped on you. He's like, what? <laughs> and I'm just like, are we in the same conversation? <laughs> <laughs> like that was the exchange but uh, uh yeah um dad went to an antique shop earlier let's go find it uh nizumi stopped me asked me if i had any progress awkward uh went to the antique shop old man knows me and dad says he's holding something for him given to generations when they turn 18 it's a sword handguard no mirror so, now what? Back home? Okay, crazy stuff here. 
get a cutscene with the son of Shin. Ryo automatically thinks he's working for Lon D for some reason, gets into a fight, and beats him. He tells me he's playing bodyguard and needs to make sure we live. Says if uh, he gets the Phoenix Mirror, he'll be unstoppable. What is this? Some kind of mystic power? Then some dude on the roof that looks like friggin' Gollum is watching and crawls away saying stuff like uh, that we just said. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Fuku must not be his brother. He said, my father... he uh, he said to talk to Na family Chris. What's that? Or he's just an idiot. Or he's just an idiot. Yeah. Um. Said to talk to Na. Na says family crest, snow ring, two stars, one sword. Okay, now what? Went to the dojo, removed one of the banners, put the sword handguard in the slot. One more slot looks like a sword can go through it. Fuku tells me that there is a box in the dojo with the family crest on it. It's locked. Went through every drawer in the house. Finally found it. Open the box at the dojo. Get a sword. Bingo. Open a secret door that leads to a basement. It's too dark to see, so I need light. Great. Why didn't I keep the flashlight from the warehouse? There's no flashlight in the freaking house. Some candles and matches, but they won't work. Now have to travel all the way to the store to get a flashlight. End of session seven. <laughs> so is there really no way to use the candles? The, the only way... So while you're in that room, you can find candle holders as well as other candles. And you can light up that place so you don't have to use the flashlight the entire time. Ah, uh, okay. Let's see here. Session number seven. Got the flashlight going back down. Found multiple things, but looking in the mirror, found a note on a shelf. Photo of dad with unknown man. White leaf. Stab armor move. Found some scratches and moved the shelf. Fuku had to help me. (laughs) (laughs) Broke the wall with the axe. Found a box with a mirror. Bingo. Now go back to old man Shin. Have to sleep since it's now 10.30. Got to wait 30 minutes for this stupid bus to arrive. Went all the way to the harbor to realize that I have to call Shin before coming. Save me from this crap. (laughs) Found a phone at the drink machines. I can't believe I dialed and got the password in one shot. (laughs) Went back to Shin. Phoenix Mirror is made of Phantom River Stone. Chi Yu will be resurrected and devour the earth. Is this for real? Crazy, oh, yeah. <laughs> crazy weird dude shows up and steals the mirror. Fell a QTE. Able to knock the mirror out of his hands. Crazy dude runs off like a 1950s cartoon villain. <laughs> I think Lopan's going to show up next. <sighs> Lon D has went to Hong Kong. Rio's going there too. Shin says he can't help. Don't waste life on revenge. Go back home and sleep. Dream of a bird and the mirror. Found something on my dresser that made my money skyrocket, but then he says, guess Hong Kong's out? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Too much money. Yep. Session, end of session seven. Session number eight. Talk to Fuku about cheap travel agency. Uh, in a conversation is crazy awkward. Let's find a travel agency. The agency lady is a douche. (laughs) 
cheapest is 158,000 yen. I have 48k. Uh, now have to walk all the way back to Fuku. Fuku gives me what is in his piggy bank. Piggy bank. Nice guy. Now have 85k. Fuku says I should talk to Nozomi. Nozomi says take a boat. Travel back to travel agency with Dushi Lady. 69k yen. I got that. Had to pay up front. She tells me to come back in four hours. I hate this person. <laughs> Stand outside the agency door for four hours, staring at the burger stand. Uh, it's been well over four hours, and they're still not there. <laughs> Walk in, new guy at desk. Says he doesn't know anything about a ticket. Other dudes in the waiting area. They try to hustle me. I punch a guy, and the guy at the counter screams like a moron. Uh, says he'll sort it out and call me tomorrow. Go home and stare at my bed for three hours since it's only 5 p.m. <laughs> uh, sleep and dream of Nozomi. Nozomi. Uh, wake up and Moron Fuku answers the phone. Ryo takes it and the guy says meet him at the arcade in possibly the most sinister way possible. <laughs> Go down to the arcade and wait. Ran into Gotham. He ate my freaking ticket. Oh, yeah, he eats your ticket. <laughs> eats it. He eats it. He shoves it in his mouth and eats it. <laughs> so you. You're not using this <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, I forgot about that. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Where am I at? Where am I at? Uh, I beat him up and he ran off. The arcade worker said Jimmy works for whoever they are. I run, after, run off to the agency. Jimmy runs off, so begins the most dumb, elaborate QTE I have ever seen. <laughs> I failed twice. <laughs> Jimmy says he can't get a ticket, but the Gollum dude works for the Mad Angels. Says they work out of the harbor. They like to pick on the new workers there. Sounds like I need to get a job. End of session. So there you go. That is... More disc. One more disc. So we do Maybe have... Maybe it won't be the longest. If you, if you think that the uh, getting a job is going to take a while then maybe this third disc will be the longest disc. I, you know, I, I could be wrong, but I get the feeling there's going to be some grinding here. I think we're going to have to grind to get a ticket to Hong Kong. Do you think we're going to have to grind? Like, can you improve your fighting skills? Yes. I mean, you can find new skills. How do you actually level them up? Because I went to the dojo and did a training, but nothing actually happened. The more you use a certain ability, the more it uh, gets stronger. Does it ever tell you that? I don't Does think it, so. You, you never hit, like, level two with this move, right? I don't think it ever shows it. I know there's a bar, so if you look at all the move lists, it looks like a bar is kind of filling up. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the more you use a move, the more stronger it gets. So we have two emails. First one comes in from Dustin. It says, um, it's titled, Have You Seen Any Sailors? <laughs> he said, uh, what's up? Did you guys get used to controls yet? Uh, they're the worst mechanic in the game, but they're manageable once you get used to them. I think these controls are bad, but yeah, I've kind of like trained my mind to be bad at controls. So yeah, I think I'm kind of in the middle. They are bad, but I'm extremely used to tank controls because I play a lot of resident evil. Yeah. But I still find myself getting more stuck on people in this game than in almost any other game. Yeah, or if you're in a tight corridor, you have to do the, the shuffle instead of actually, you know, just turning around. 
Yeah, I've actually I've gotten really really fond of hitting down to do an immediate one eighty. Yeah, because otherwise, trying to turn around, you you, you kind of turn in a weird arc, a weird circle, and then I get stuck on things again. So I basically just give up on trying to turn and immediately do a one eighty, and that that's worked out. So I guess in some ways, it's gotten a little easier. It says here. Um... I would say that this game is the uh, the vein of an adventure game more than anything. There's a lot of puzzles, and it's mainly seek out and the next person for the next clue, which is kind of basic, but I enjoyed it for some reason. Uh, yeah, that's probably that's probably the best best categorization of this game. I yeah, would say. this is definitely an adventure game uh, more than anything. Uh, says, I didn't really have much downtime. Maybe I just got lucky on the timing of my next clue and was pretty close to the right time of day. Uh, when I did have to wait, though, I usually uh, bought capsules for the trophy or played some games at the arcade or just ran around. Unless I misheard, but I thought this game was supposed to be a seven or eight game epic. So I hope you're not expecting the game to wrap up a nice and neat I I didn't know it was supposed to be either seven or eight games. I knew they had. I'm pretty sure they planned it as a trilogy at least. Um, yeah, I think I heard eight games. That's insane. Somewhere. That's insane. That's that's ambitious as crap. Yeah. Um. Says I don't know how far you guys are, but uh, have you guys hit the forklift section? It's easily the worst part of the game, uh, but just stick with it because after five days, I think of that BS, the game will start wrapping up pretty quick. Just uh, So just endure it. Be Wait, maybe I was supposed to get a forklift. <laughs> yeah, eventually, see, that's what we do. We get, we're get we going to get a job as a forklift operator. Uh, just not where I thought I needed one yeah. to move those boxes around. <laughs> uh, be interesting to hear your thoughts this, uh, this week, Dustin. Thank you for that email, Dustin. Yeah, we're we're getting close. We're getting there. Uh, next email comes in from David. It says, uh, "Hey Drew and Matt, sorry for the long ramble. You've been warned." So I listened to the last episode, and whilst I have great pers- uh, personal fondness for the series, having played and completed both of them when they first released on the Dreamcast as a wee lad, I can't say I'm entirely shocked that you guys are either lukewarm or frankly down on the game. At the time, in the very late 90s and early 2000s, there was no game like it. Both games sucked up what felt like weeks. It was truly revolutionary, and still is in many ways, uh, ushering in the open-world environments, day day and night cycles, and weather cycles uh, we see today in modern games. But it went much further, too. They used the actual day-to-day weather history of the real city Shinmu is based on, Yokosuka. I did not know that. Uh, said city even uses various locations from the game as they are modeled on actual places as tourist attractions. They even made it a little collecting game where you'd get a card at each place you found. I'm not sure if you've noticed it yet, uh, but the NPCs, too, are more advanced than a lot of modern games, too. Each uh, one has their own day-to-day schedules. If you follow them around, they go to work, etc. 
So when Drew said he just set the controller down to wait for the next objective to begin, my heart sank a little. Part of my fondness was uh, sinking countless hours exploring, whether doing martial arts in the park or the tai with the Tai Chi guy, going to the arcades, collecting all the capsule things, or doing random side quests for people just by being at the right place at the right time that may that you may otherwise completely miss. I think if you are only going from story beat to story beat, you may pass by what made Shinmu special, a notion gamers today often repeat with games like Skyrim. Uh, unlike modern games, though, Shinmu is more obtuse, partially because I, uh, I think due to it being the pioneer, thus not knowing any better, and partially because I think Yukazuki, a man mainly known for creating arcade games like Space Harrier, Outrun, and Virtua Fighter, was aiming to create something far more real than what had become that had come before it. So today, looking back after 20 years with developers having uh, taken the best aspects of the game for a series like GTA or Yakuza, uh, creating a far more action-oriented experience, it's easier to see its flaws, but I wouldn't change it for the world. It'll also be interesting to see whether in the new one coming out they decide to use some of those modern conventions or opt to create a game that fits right into the current two. We'll see. Anyway, enough talk from me. I'm sure it's about time for your shift to start. Uh, those boxes aren't going to move themselves. Looking <laughs> forward to hearing your thoughts. All the best, Dave. P.S. Where are those sailors at? Yeah, no, that's a, that's actually a really good email. I think that really kind of encapsulates how how I feel about it a little bit. I wish I could have played this game when it came out because I even on the first session was impressed with kind of the world and the day night cycle and the weather. And it felt more real than, than many games from that time period. Um, and I would agree with pretty much everything in that email. You know, I think games have taken pieces of this and done it better, but for when this came out, it, it it's impressive for what it does for what it, for the world that it is, uh, the gameplay, yeah, I mean, I I do also agree that I'm probably missing a lot of what makes or made Shenmue unique when it came out. I'm not doing every possible side quest. I haven't leveled up my moves yet. I haven't interacted. I spent a lot of time up leading up to the first recording interacting with NPCs, um, less so in the second section as I was trying to get through it a bit more quickly, but... I could imagine that if I had no help and I had a lot of time, this game could easily take me three or four times as long as it's taking if I was just wandering around doing stuff and kind of living in its world. So. Yeah, I would agree with that. The The issue, especially for us in our, in our scenario here, is because, you know, we're trying to go to by a schedule. I'm sure I could spend hours doing side quests and talking to people and, you know, collecting everything and stuff like that. But the thing is, is like, we have to record every week. So I, I can't, I have to do story beat by story beat because I don't have the time to, to get through it. And yeah, I can see that in 1999, this game did a lot of stuff that nobody had ever seen before. Every single bit of its voice dialogue, which it was like a year earlier, Metal Gear Solid came out and that blew me away the amount of voice dialogue in that game. So, yeah. uh, it's, it, it's, that's the thing is like, you know, you, you take a, a game that 
that trying to tried to do a bunch of different things and succeeded on a lot of it. But yeah, I mean, looking back now, especially with somebody who didn't experience it back then, I don't have those rose tinted glasses. So uh, yeah, you can't help but compare it to games nowadays. Like, you know, certain, certain games have done this stuff and improved on it. And, you know, you can't help but be like, man, this is kind of bad, you know, but that's, that's just the way it is. Um, but in 1999, sure, I'm sure this is one of the most ambitious titles this ever came out. Um, in 1999, as, as, you know, 14, 15-year-old me, I probably still would have found this game kind of boring. I'm going to be honest I, with I you. think I... I always would have found it a little tough with no map. Oh, yeah. Like, like it, it's a little hard. I don't know. Maybe because I, I went through the second session a bit more quickly. I didn't realize the game even had those crutches where Fukusan would come and help you if you got stuck. So that's actually kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. They, they, they did a lot of stuff that... that that games of that era did not do. I'll give it that. You know, I don't think this is necessarily a bad game. I think according to modern gaming, yes. I mean, it, it's, it controls bad. The, the dialogue is goofy and kind of, kind of bad. And, you know, it, it's, it, it is what it is. It's a product of its time, but I don't hold that against it. At the same time, I do still feel like, I would have been kind of bored while playing this game when I was a kid. Like when this game came out, if I had a Dreamcast in 1999 and bought this game, I would have been like, yeah, I can go get a job. I can go play the arcade and, and that kind of thing. But I'm just like, I don't know. I'm a different person. (laughs) (laughs) So I, yeah, I, this is, I don't think this is a good year of the bad game. This feels like the ultimate time capsule. This feels like the ultimate Phoenix Down game, if we're being yeah. honest. Yeah, one of the ones akin to why we started it long ago. Like, I had never played Psychonauts. Yeah. I feel like that's a game you must play. Shenmue feels like one of those games you should experience. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of it. You know, if you want to see... What was groundbreaking in 1999? Play Shinmu. You know, cause that was, you know, like, at that time, nobody had ever seen anything like that before. Same way with the 1998, nobody had ever seen anything like Metal Gear Solid before. I'm not sure I've felt that way since. I have not. That was, see, that's the thing, it's like, nothing, like, I don't want to go on a ramble, but, <laughs> but seriously, like, there has never been another experience like that. Because I think we're used to it now, you know. We, we get we've got yeah. games like Red Dead Redemption that look almost photorealistic. And yeah, I'm used to being impressed. You're 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 used to being impressed to the point where you're no longer impressed at anything. And the the closest to that for me was the first time I played Resident Evil, having come from Sonic the Hedgehog type games. Yeah. To be exploring an adult, mature-themed game with blood and guns, like, I don't know, I just, to, to have played that and then, you know, a couple of years later play Metal Gear Solid, 
I mean, you know, but yeah. those to me are like the pinnacle of my gaming experiences. It's why the PS1 will always be my favorite console. Yeah. Yeah, PS1 is where I got most of my nostalgia. And the PC. I was still a pretty big PC gamer back then. Diablo 2, man. Diablo 2 in 2000. That was like peak. You're 15 years old. You don't have a car. You can't go do anything. You have a PC. You have Diablo 2. 400 hours doing nothing but playing Diablo 2. <laughs> Yeah, Starcraft one for me. Yeah, that. I was just like, man, this is this is I'm living the dream, man. Going, man. If it, yeah, if I could time travel, man, if I could time travel and be myself <laughs> in 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 1998 in October, October 25th, 1998, and replay Metal Gear Solid for the first time, I'd give anything to go back and do that. What do you think is the most recent game to have evoked a feeling like that? Right. For, for me, maybe it's just recency bias, but man, loading up the remake of Resident Evil 2 for the first time had me goosebumped. Yeah, Resident Evil 2, see, I played it with a buddy of mine, and uh, we we sat down, like, deliberately took the day, and was like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna play the crap out of this game, and we did. We put, like, five hours into it. That's the longest game session I've had, probably... 10 years mm. and um but that was, one's almost that one's almost a, a, a an easy cop-out because it's already playing up on nostalgia yeah you're playing on so, nostalgia so do, do you have a recent game that's evoked that feeling that isn't a nostalgia based game i was thoroughly impressed with bioshock Thoroughly impressed with Bioshock in 2007. Um, that was that was probably my my first thing of like this is next gen. This was the first next gen game I've ever played. Um, with the PS4 and Xbox One uh, life cycle, um, we had got a, a decent amount of games on the PlayStation 4 for for the time. I think Infamous Second Son, while I don't particularly think that's a great game, uh, visually, I thought that was like, wow, this is, this is, this is the beginning of next gen for that. Um, um, I'll tell you, one of the, one of the, the most addicting game sessions I ever had, and one of the more recent ones was actually when I, I, on a whim, Picked up Civilization Four, no Five. It was Civilization Five. Uh, I don't know why I picked it up. I bought a physical copy of that game on PC. Don't know why. Oh. I, I think I, I think I found it cheap, and I was like, "Ah, oh, we'll give it a shot." Everybody's always talked about Civilization. I'd never played it before, and I, I was like, "I don't even know if it's going to run on my computer." I put it in, booted it up, and this was like at four o'clock in the afternoon. Just got off work. And I noticed, like, I don't know what made me think, but I checked my phone and it was 1 a.m. And, and, <laughs> and I was like, whoa, what? And I was still playing that game. I remember I got up and, and walked out to the living room. I was living with my roommates and they were like, 
what the hell you been doing in there the past like few hours? And I was like, I've been playing Civilization. And they're like, oh yeah, the game's pretty addicting. I was like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was probably a big one. Like if it wasn't even me like saying, oh, this game's amazing. It was just like one more turn, one more turn, and it just kept going and going and going. Um, but yeah, I would say probably the the last time I felt a really big hit like that was probably Bioshock. Mm. When I booted up Bioshock for the first time, I was thoroughly impressed with it. Yeah, it definitely has a sense of place, a sense of style. Yeah. But, uh, well, you know what? That's a good thing that we can ask our listeners. What's, what was your first blow-away moment? What and was, most recent. And your there's, most, a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of early ones that, yeah. you know define what you like as gaming, but I, do you still get that feeling? Yeah, that's a really good question. And you guys can send us emails. It's drew at ztgd.com. Let us know how you felt and when you felt it and what game really, really made you feel. I've no, I'm never going to feel this way again. What's that, what's that one uh, moment where that you would always love to go back to and try again? We'll do it that way. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I'm at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. And yeah, that's going to be it for us. We're, we're, we're well past halfway through Shinmu. At least I think so, according to the disc count. We'll see. But, uh, I think we'll, I think we'll eventually go to Hong Kong. We'll find Too bad out. we can't get a ticket on a five-finger discount. Yeah, no kidding. We're going to have to go shove our hand down that golem's throat and get our ticket back. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for us. We're going to get out of here. Uh, we'll be back next week. But until then, I'm Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. You guys have a wonderful week. And we'll be back next week with the continuation and conclusion to Shin Moo.